Yeah, there will be none of that in my podcast. I'm Angie, your host of Asian Fail. And I'm going to be chatting with some peeps that are Asian, but they did not go the traditional or expected doctor or lawyer route. Instead, they took a chance and went into the creative arts. So come with me and let's find out just how they did it and how disappointed their parents are. I am recording now. Okay, great. <laughs> cool. We have hacked this finally interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Couple tries, so, uh, but we got it up. Okay, cool. So, so I've got. Okay, I see you. I have. See, I'm so high tech. I've got you on two screens now. Oh my gosh. Okay, okay. a little ADD. Got two things going at the same time. Okay. All right. Nice All man right. bun, by the way. Thank you very much. This is new. This is, this is like two weeks old. It, up until about beginning of last week, I couldn't tie it up. It wasn't quite long enough, you know? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the first yeah. time in my life. Oh, yeah. You've got, yeah. I've got the quarantine. And look, I've got the quarantine witchy gray hairs coming out, too, because I've not <laughs> been able to get my hair done. Yeah. So this is colored and not colored. Yeah. I'm so I'm getting them right here too. It's like, <laughs> oh my lord. Oh my lord. Everyone's like uh uh I, I I'm now at that age where I, I I really detest answering that question. How old are you? I'm like <sighs> old enough to know not to answer that question. Don't ask me that. Come on, don't be stupid. Figure it out. You, if, if you go to IMDB and you see like where my first credit was, it's like it's not difficult to figure out. Yeah, me too. Me too. I just recently kind of started all that up again just to Mm -hmm. promote the podcast. Nice. But yeah. So Jason Tobin, guest number one on Asian Fail. And we're just going to chat about your, obviously you're not an Asian Fail, you're a mad success. (laughs) And I knew you way back when, when we did a little film called Yellow. But before we get to all that, let's just take it back all the way oh wow so you okay. grew up in and i never had this conversation with you we, really? <laughs> we just talked about the present stuff you know and the future yeah. stuff but we yeah, never yeah. went like way 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 back yeah. into the you know the, uh-huh. the early early jason tobin years so i'm guessing wow. you grew up in hong kong i i did i did i grew up in hong kong i um but i moved around quite a bit as a as a kid i uh i lived in hong kong until i was six um and that was sort of even that was divided i spent the first couple of years with my mom my parents uh, divorced and then i i ended up uh growing up with my dad and uh so, so we lived in hong kong until i was six and then from the age of six to nine we moved to the philippines and mm-hmm. um went to the philippines my dad was had like he had been working for the, the british government my dad's a, a british guy you know a white guy and uh, he'd been working for the British government in Hong Kong, and he decided that he wanted to get into business, and some opportunity opportunity came up, and uh, so my dad and I moved to the Philippines for uh, for a few years, thinking at the time that we would end up living there forever. But as it turned out, it was only three years. And then what happened was, <laughs> um, my dad had put me in a in a local Filipino school, thinking that I would grow up with other Filipino kids and speak Tagalog and everything. But what he didn't realize was the school had put me in like 
the class with the other foreigners that they thought were only going to be there temporarily. And they basically were neglected. And, um, and after three years, my dad, I think he, he was checking my homework one day, which he rarely did, but uh, <laughs> he realized that I was not being educated. And I think that the final straw for him was, uh, was I think that one, one of the, one piece of homework was, um, uh, you know, what is a, a baby, you know, like there's an animal and then you have to like say what the baby of that animal is, you know, dog, puppy, you know, like that, cat, kitten. And uh, my dad grew up with horses, right? So, um, so one of the questions was, you know, what's a baby horse? And, uh, and so he, he helped me with it. And I think a baby horse is called a foal, right? Mm-hmm. And so I wrote that and then I got marked wrong. <laughs> they said it was a pony or something. My dad became enraged. He's like, this is, so he just thought, okay, this is, this is not working out. And so immediately at the age of nine, he just sent me to boarding school in England. Ooh. And uh, so nine years old, I went to boarding school in England in a little by town. By yourself? By myself, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Uh, in Colchester, Essex. And, you know, you know, my, at the time, my mom was living in Hong Kong. My dad was, I think, also had moved back to Hong Kong. So it was, uh, there was some serious culture shock um, moving to England. Can you at that imagine, age. though, sending your daughters off? Bye. I would never do it. I, I, knowing and having my own experience, I would never do it. Certainly not at that age. Um, yeah. I think actually boarding school is pretty fun and cool if you're a teenager and maybe oh, a maybe sure. slightly older teenager, you know, to be away from your parents and spending the whole time with your friends and, you know, it's, it's, it could be really fun. Um, but at my age, it's at, at nine, nine to 13, it was, um, you know, a nine-year-old kid can't really express themselves. So when they feel something, they just, you know what I mean? It's, for, for example, I, um, there was a teacher at, at our boarding school who the year after I left was arrested and convicted for child molestation. What? Yeah. And so at the, at, uh, in boarding school, I just had a feeling about that teacher, you know, but I couldn't put it into words. I'm like, I just knew, you know what? I'm going to stay clear of that dude. <laughs> but yeah, I would never be. Your spidey be, senses were going exactly, off. Exactly. But I wouldn't have. I didn't have the, the, you know, the experience, the the vocabulary, or uh, to to be able to express that to anybody, you know, I'm, you know. So, and plus, I was, you know, thousands of miles away from 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 family, and uh, and back then, you know, obviously, you know, uh, there was no internet, and so, you know, I would only speak to my dad like once a week. I'd I'd make a, a reverse charge call from the payphone, you know, once a week, but um, so it was a totally different era. But uh, yeah, so after, so when I was 13, um, my dad remarried um, to, to, the, to the woman that he's you know, still married to. And um, uh, at that point, he wanted to bring his family back together. So at the age of 13, after four years of boarding school, I went back to Hong Kong. And then I, I finished my, um, my secondary education in Hong Kong at, a, at an international school. And then when I was 18, um, I packed my bag and uh, uh, went to LA <laughs> on my own. And uh, I think I probably met you, what, like a couple of years later. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't, yeah. 
I don't remember you being that young. That is crazy. Well, I yeah. So because you didn't seem like you were like you know really. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you seemed like you know because of your accent and everything, yeah, and yeah. we knew you were um British. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe you were just more uh, mature. I I don't know because you know these days. I I still feel immature. You know what I mean. (laughs) (laughs) So when when did we film Yellow? What do you remember the year? I know it came out. Mm -hmm. No, I I looked it up on IMDb because I have like no memory cells anymore. (laughs) So I have to I have to like just look back at at Mm -hmm. actual dates. Um, It says it came out in '97, but I think we shot it in '95. Yeah, and it just took a while to. you know, get edited and put together in the whole film festival circuit and then mm. finally getting distribution yeah, and stuff okay. and coming out in 97. Okay. So I think 95, I think, yeah, is when we did it. Yeah. And then, yeah, wow. and then I see like Party Crashers 98. I think that was Bert's movie, right? Yes. So yes. You must have did, did that right after Yellow. Yes, I think so. Yeah. 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 Around that time. Wow. In that case, if that was 95... If we shot it yeah, in ninety five. Shot in ninety five. Wow. Okay. Wow. Could be ninety six. Yeah. Either yeah. way, mid nineties. Great. That's mm-hmm. that's So yeah, I would have met you. I would have been like you know early, very early twenties. Right. And um. And you had the blonde hair. I had the blonde hair, and in fact, it's funny because uh, uh, I don't know if you we recorded it this. Re- if we recorded it earlier, but you mentioned something about my, my uh, man bun. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so there's a little story here, which was um, when I moved to LA, you know, obviously I wanted to be an actor and I started studying acting and training and trying to, um, but it was back in the days where, you know, like, uh, you know, it's not like now where, you know, you can do all your research before you go to LA and figure out where, what school you want to go to, who's good and who's mm-hmm. not, and et cetera. Back then it was just like, you know, you get to LA and, you know, you find a, an ad in a freaking, you know, you know <laughs> back of a magazine or something. Uh-huh. But um, anyway, so I was in LA and I was working, uh, not work, so I wasn't working, but I was, you know, trying to be an actor, learn, trying to learn how to be an actor and learn the craft. And I started to feel like, okay, I was starting to get better. Um, and then one day I just had this hunch. I had this hunch that, because I wasn't booking jobs, right? And, and so I had this hunch that I was like, you know what, if I, I bet you if I bleached my hair blonde, I would start booking jobs, you know. Mm. And so I went down to uh, UCLA, UCLA Village, Westwood, and, you know, went into a hair salon, bleached my hair. And sure enough, I ended up booking like the next five auditions, and one of which wow. was, was yellow. In fact, I think when I went down to audition for yellow, I had like my hair was like, like, brand freaking new like literally i probably had bleached it the day before and it taught me a big lesson which was um you know when i was as a young actor i wanted to be whatever you wanted me to be you know Mm -hmm. so it's like you know i'm an actor i can be this i can be that what do you want me to be i'll be you know whatever you want and the the bleaching of the blonde hair kind of it taught me that actually no you need to be something you need to decide what you are you need to have a look it is a visual medium and um, my acting had You need to changed. set yourself apart. Yeah, exactly. Don't be middle of the road. Be something. And because um, my, my acting ability hadn't changed from prior, you know, from bleaching my hair and, and not bleaching it. You know what I mean? Like it's my abilities hadn't changed. It was, 
it was a look. And so, um, and like, you know, recently on, on uh, Warrior, uh, the cinematic show that I'm on, like the, you know, that, that hair is like this pompadour and it just, mm-hmm. it, it really suits the character. And so as an actor, I've, I've then, since then, I've always tried to change my look as much as possible. Um, um, and so, and so this recently during this, this pandemic, um, at the time I thought, you know what, I've never had the Ronin samurai look and, uh, I've never been able to pull my hair back and tie it up in a man bun. So I thought I've never been particularly fond of the man bun, but, uh, I was like, you know what, I'm going to try it. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a go. And, and, uh, who knows, man, it could be part of my next job or it may not. So, so. But that's always a, a lesson that I've, it's a lesson that I've, I learned, and I do think it's really important for actors to remember that that uh, you should you should have a style, you should have something, right? Something distinctive, yeah, exactly. Because you know, there's only a bazillion people that want to act. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, so let's let's backtrack a little sure, bit. So sure, what sure. made you go? I want to be an actor. I'm just gonna pack up and move to LA. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So, so the uh, guy. This goes actually goes back to uh, boarding school. So, I'm like this little Chinese kid, you know, who basically had been wearing flip flops his whole life to this point, living in the Philippines and uh, um, you know, and having only grown up in Asia. And then uh, when my dad sent me to boarding school, I was extremely homesick. I I, I probably I probably cried. Uh, every night in bed <laughs> you know at least if not for the the whole year at least for the first couple of semesters or terms as as we call it and um but i did eventually like it but i remember the first week of boarding so the very first week i was there apart from freezing my ass off because england's freaking cold um mm-hmm. i i had a drama class and i'd never done a drama class at that point um, but we had a drama class and we started, we played a bunch of theater games and my teacher, his name was, uh, David Wenden. He seemed to take a liking to me and he made me feel like I was actually good at this. And I really enjoyed it. I loved all the games that we played and, and, uh, it, you know, although I was extremely homesick, I fell in love with that class and, and, and every, I always loved taking drama class with, with David uh, or Mr. Wendon. And, um, and then, uh, during that time of boarding school, I don't remember when exactly, but there was a traveling, um, theater company. And I think it was the Royal Shakespeare company, but it was like their youth, uh, theater company. They came to our school and, and they, uh, put on a show. And I remember, I don't remember the play and everything, but I remembered one boy, there was one boy who he just he seemed so confident and 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 just uh, authentic and present on stage and I just saw him and I thought man that is, I want to do what he's doing I want to be I want to do that and um, and that's where really where the seed of my you know love and passion and and uh, desire to be an actor began. Um, and uh, it wasn't until I was uh, 18 and, you know, you know, you know uh, and I was in, back in Hong Kong in high school and, and everyone's like applying for universities and, and that kind of thing. Um, 
and uh, I didn't know until that point that you could be an actor. I, I never, it never really dawned on me that you could be an actor, that you could go study it. I, I know that sounds crazy now, but but back then it was just like all my friends were applying for, you know, all the traditional professions and all the traditional um, university degrees, you know. Um, and I actually applied to go to law school, <laughs> which is mm. crazy. Which is crazy yes. when I look back now. Um, and so that's uh, the traditional route. Yeah. So I, I so <laughs> so. Um, uh, but a couple of things happened um, around that time, which was um, one, I did really poorly in my final exams <laughs> in my last year, and I'm not blaming her, but. It was because I had a girlfriend. I got a girlfriend in my last year of high school, and then my studies just went down the tube, which is which is which was uh, which is really funny because my girlfriend at the time ended up doing extremely well in her final exams, and I remember thinking and asking her, "I'm like, when did you have time to study? We were together literally all the time." You know, um, so anyway, I failed all my my final exams in my in in high school. in In the UK, we call uh, um, those exams are called A levels. I don't know what, what they are in America, but anyway, mm, um, so probably SATs. Exactly, SATs. So we we had what they call A levels, and I did really poorly in my A levels, and I ended up not getting into any law school whatsoever. It was that bad, and I did end up getting into some some other places that I had applied to that was some sort of business course and I just whatever but at the same time my dad came uh came to me one day and he showed me an ad in a little you know like a magazine here in Hong Kong like a it's like a classified ads a uh, little like giveaway magazine it was called the dollar saver at the time um before Craigslist and all that shit. And, mm-hmm. um, and there was an ad for an acting class in Hong Kong. And it was called the Hong Kong Actors Gym. And uh, I went down there and it was run by this American, this white American guy. His name was Louis Roth. And he was an American who had been living in Hong Kong for a long time. And he had been in like, like tons and tons of Hong Kong movies. He was like the token white guy. A like white any, guy. Anytime they needed a white guy <laughs> in Hong in a Hong Kong movie, he was the guy. So he, who gets his know, ass beat? Totally. So he played cops, lawyers, judges, baddies. Like he just did everything. That's, dude, dude found his niche. He found his niche. Yeah, exactly. And so I went. I started taking his class, and of course, I just you know loved it, and um, and. Um, and and you know, and then one uh, there was also uh, an American woman um, who had moved recently to Hong Kong at the time with her husband, and uh, they were living in Hong Kong. And she had been an actor in New York, and she started telling me about these acting classes that you could take in America, and that all you had to do was pay. And you could go, and I, and my my mind was blown. I was like, "What? You mean I, I don't have to do exams? I don't have to get straight A's in my A levels? I don't need an SAT score? I can just go?" And I I was absolutely incredulous. And so when I when she told me this, and I, I was it, I was like, "Oh, 
well, then I'm going to America. You know, I'm going to go to LA and I'm going to go to one of these acting classes. Because in Hong Kong at the time, it was it was just Lewis's class, right? And I thought this, you know. So yeah, uh, at the age of 18, um, six months a- after I graduated high school and, and failed, um, I packed one suitcase and uh, I went to America. <laughs> that is some balls. Yeah, yeah. It because you know I would think mm. you're British. You have a mm. British passport, probably, right? Mm. Like mm-hmm. I'd be. Su- I was surprised that you didn't go to London and study acting. You know, like a proper theater actor. Yeah. And get into it that way. But no, you're like, I'm going to go to America. I'm just going to pay for classes and <laughs> 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 become a big star. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, it's it's weird because when I look back, I'm like, was I ballsy? What, what was I? And I think like, yeah, that's I was extremely, ballsy. I was extremely ambitious. Um, and, and at the time it was like, you know, why wouldn't I go to Hollywood? Like that's, that's where you go, you know? And um, I think also because I had gone to boarding school at an early age, it wasn't something leaving home wasn't, difficult you know what I mean like I, I didn't grow up with my mom so like I would visit her on on holidays my dad was a businessman and it's not like he wasn't around but he you know he was busy so and then I also went to boarding school so I was kind of used to kind of yeah I, it wasn't hard being independent go. yeah exactly being independent so going to LA um but um to answer your question about the passport I didn't go uh without a visa I what I did was in order to get to America I um I ended up getting a student visa um to go to SMC and and um uh, Santa Monica College right mm-hmm. to do uh, my my general education and that was it was literally just to get me there and um and I got there because I had some friends that I had gone to high school with that were uh, gonna go to that went to UCLA USC and stuff so I, I flew to LA got there signed up you know I was on a visa to, to, to go to SMC, and, and I ended up uh, living with a couple of my friends for, for, the, first, uh, for the first year, year or so. And um, so I did some courses at SMC, and then I think that, that Christmas and New Year, I flew back to Hong Kong and, uh, for the holiday. And I was telling my dad you know, over dinner one night about, oh, you know, my maths class, my music class, my anthropology class, all those sort of general ed classes that I was taking. And he looked at me and he said, well, I, I thought you moved to LA to be an actor. And I was like, yeah. So he says, then why don't you just focus on being an actor? And so it was my dad who talked me out of college. And hmm. I ended up uh, going back to LA and then and I stopped going to SMC. I, I hadn't even been there like maybe two semesters. Um, and um, and then I just focused on acting. And then at that point, visa-wise, I kind of bounced around. I had like a student visa. I had a, a tourist visa. Then I was on a business visa. Essentially, I'm going to admit here on, on this podcast, I was an illegal immigrant for several <laughs> years. Um and I think that's a really good experience for anyone moving to America. You should experience what it's like to be an illegal immigrant because it teaches you something, you know. And uh, it because at the time, no one was going to give a kid from Hong Kong a visa to to work in LA to be an actor because I didn't even know my craft yet. I was still learning, so I was just taking you know classes at night, you know. Um, 
And, uh, and my plan had been that, you know, eventually I would book that job that would give me that visa. And it eventually did, but it took a long time. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah. But no, I remember, um, so I remember meeting your dad once. Do you, do you remember? Yes. Do you remember we all went out to dinner? We all went to Versailles when he was in town one day. And it, I remember this because we were sitting down and oh. then I look over and I'm like, oh, there's Jennifer Lopez. <laughs> oh, no. You were there? She was sitting oh, right no. next to us. No. I'm so embarrassed already. I know where the story is going. Oh, Jesus. Oh, do you remember? Yeah. So, yeah, that was. No, no, no. No, wait. What, what are you going to say? I just remember my dad, like, being too loud. And going, oh, oh you know, and like Jennifer Lopez. I'm like, Dad, shut up. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> like, trust me, she's famous. She knows who she is. You're not the first But she person. was not, she was not like at okay. J-Lo level. Yeah, she yeah, was yeah. still Jennifer Lopez. She was not J-Lo. Yeah, she was like, yeah, 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 you know, yeah. Anaconda, I think, okay. had just come out. <laughs> she didn't even have her record out yet. Yeah, it was just, yeah. she was Jennifer Lopez. But yeah. I do remember she arrived in a limo, right? Oh, I don't remember that. For some reason, wow. I remember outside there was a limo. And then when mm. we went inside, I think we saw her or something. I, anyway, I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's right. My goodness. I'm, mm-hmm. We ate at Versailles. Mm-hmm. Was this? Yep. This was when Yellow had premiered, right? At Paramount Studios around that time? You know, I I don't remember. <laughs> okay. Anyway. All right. <laughs> no, I, this is, I remember meeting your dad that that night and seeing Jennifer Lopez <laughs> so cool, so cool. At, at dinner. So yeah, that was pretty crazy. I love but that no, this now. is okay. So this is really crazy because your dad actually encouraged you to pursue yeah. acting. Cause of course my question was going to be, and how did your parents feel when you said, I'm yeah. going to pack up all my stuff and head to Los yeah. Angeles. Yeah. Um, you know what it, I was, I am, and I was extremely fortunate in that my parents were 100% behind me the whole time. Um, I know that's a lot different than a lot of other Asian parents and other Asian Americans experiences with their own parents. But fortunately for me, they, uh, I didn't, I had a very, very supportive family in that regard. I think one of the things is, you know, my dad and my mom were, were kind of rebels in their own way. I mean, they were an interracial couple back when it was like, not as common and it you know i mean they were even in hong kong even in hong kong at the time sure Hmm. i mean yeah there were but it's not i mean now it's it's in hong kong now like i see mixed kids everywhere you know like it's it's super common and you you know um whereas back then it was yeah it was you know i remember even like my you know my i think my grandpa was cool with it but i think even my grandmother on my dad's side was not cool with it you know um Hmm. What not at first anyway, you know. So it was a, it was a different time, and I think my dad's quite a um, um, what's the word I'm looking for? He was, uh, you know, he, he, he both my parents are quite they're out they're you know what I mean they're they're rebels in their own way. My you know they're they're mm-hmm. both uh, uh, eccentric in their own way, and and mm-hmm. uh, I would say performers in their own right. Like I you know um, and um, and so they were extremely supportive. I remember my, I think, I, I asked my dad, like, what were you thinking, you know, when I, when I left? And he mm-hmm. says, he just, I think he just said to me that, um, that he really saw 
the passion and the just you know uh, that I had for it and uh, and the determination and you know he was all for it and I, I, I even remember at the time saying to my dad I don't care dad if it takes me 20 years you know <laughs> thinking like 20 years was a long time you know Literally. you're like and it did almost take me 20 Man, it took me a lot longer Jeez, <laughs> you know? um, and um, and and my mom as well she, she my mom's a, you know flamboyant extroverted uh, personality they're both you know they're they're real characters both of them so they were they were extremely supportive and um you know i, I yeah I, I you know and to this day like um um yeah they're, they're, they've been 100 percent behind me and that's why it's it's so gratifying now to uh when i when i was uh filming warrior in cape town um to to fly my parents out and and show them and you know this amazing you know hollywood oh level show thrilled. oh so proud they're so proud they're so so proud and and it, and it's such a sweet victory for me because you know to have my kids my wife and my parents and and then my wife's parents and you know old friends come and and for me to like share the experience with them was really uh, an amazing win for me you know um because mm-hmm. it's it was a long time it took me a long time man you know like from when I arrived, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when I met you till now, it's, mm-hmm. been a, it's been a long road. Yeah, it's like yeah. a lifetime of it work. Is, totally. Yeah. It's weird because I remember, like, you know, in those early days, I, I, I remember, you know, my first headshot and my first resume, oh my and God. Like, yeah. like, and how bare it was, and like how it uh-huh. felt like it felt like decades of like just trying to like build that resume just add things and, and and now it's like i i just don't i have this stuff i just don't put on my resume now it's totally the opposite and and now i can genuinely you know look at my work now and and feel like i have a body of work you know what i mean that i'm proud of um and that so i i don't get me wrong i don't want to die today but if i did then at least i go man i you know i did leave something i do have a body of work, you know? Um, so. <laughs> oh yeah, you totally do. Yeah. yeah. So let's, let's track it. So sure. I remember when we, <laughs> when we met, yes, you were like, Oh, I just did Nash bridges. Oh, and I just did Beverly Hills Ninja. I, really? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, so I was like, Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, we were yeah. all so impressed. Yeah. Really? Oh, wow. Cause you were so young, you know? So, yeah. um, so yeah, we're like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. And then you did yellow, you mm-hmm. did party crashers. Yeah. And then of course your next big, big break was Justin's Better Luck Tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. Which really hit the festival scene, yeah. you know, with a bang and mm-hmm. just exploded all over. It became like, I feel like in the Asian American community, it was probably one of the first viral mm-hmm. campaigns. Yeah. When it comes to marketing a film and stuff, yeah, and they, uh, yeah, they really leaned heavily on word of mouth and stuff like that. But yeah, that was such a big break for all you guys. It was massive. Um, you know, yellow, yellow was was amazing. Like it, it to to finally work on a film and on a movie with all you guys. It was just an incredible, incredible experience. It it made me feel like. Um, all the work that I had done before and, and, and moving to LA and all the struggles 
you know, like I was like, yeah, this is, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. This is where I feel my best. This is where I feel like I can really contribute. And then it was during the festival circuit, Yellow had been traveling on the festival circuit alongside Justin's first uh, movie, which was Shopping for mm-hmm. Fangs that John, John was in, which John was mm-hmm. like filming at the same time, right? It was Leela, yeah. Leela was in it, right? Shopping uh, for Fangs? Was Leela uh, in Shopping for Fangs? I don't think John, she was. John was. Definitely. John was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been a long time. I haven't seen that film in a while. And, um, and so. I could be wrong though. Yeah. So apparently, so apparently um, I think I might have met Justin, Justin at some point during the festival circuit uh, when we were traveling with Yellow. And apparently he told me later on that he had thought about me when he wrote Virgil in Better Luck Tomorrow. Um, but he didn't tell me that at the audition. Um, anyway, so years later, I auditioned for, uh, for the role of Virgil in Better Luck Tomorrow. And, um, you know, it's, I don't know about you, but, you know, at the time, like, it seemed like every actor's dream was to end up in a, in an indie movie that made it big at Sundance. Mm -hmm. Like in the nineties, indie films was really super cool. And everyone, you know, to, to be in an indie film that goes to Sundance blows up and then your career starts. Like that was the dream. Right. And, Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, like, uh, that it happened, you know, I was like, you know, it, I, one, I had a fantastic role. I had never read such a great role, um, for me before, before that, um, before that I'd been doing like, you know, little bitty parts apart from yellow, but like, you know, little bitty parts, you know, playing like a little bit stereotypical roles, you know, Asian bus boy, Asian delivery boy, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And, um, and, um, to all of a sudden, you know, get in a film that had a great role in it. When I read the script, I was blown away. I thought, oh my God, this is like Oscar award-winning caliber level, you know, uh, role in film. And, uh, and I was, I just thought, you know, I'd been in LA, you know, several years by that point and they'd been tough years, you know, they've been really, really tough years. Financially, I'd been struggling. Um, it, you know, auditioning had taken a real uh, number, had, had taken its toll on me you know, emotionally. And um, to get that film was was a real um, a real win, and I and I just thought to myself, man, I'm gonna I am gonna leave nothing behind. I'm gonna give it all. I'm gonna like you know leave everything on the pitch, and um, and I went in with that attitude. I wanted to lead from the front foot, and I think um, you know I think when I got there, I think people sensed it, and um, and then we all just freaking rocked it you know what I mean like we just did our very very best and it and it's a film that I'm really really proud of because you know we fought the fight you know as Asian Americans I know I'm I'm not an American through passport but I really feel akin I feel part of it I fought the fight I was there you know what I mean uh, I spent so many years in no, America. I, yeah. I totally feel like yeah. you are and you yeah. deserve it because like I said you didn't go to London you yeah. could have yeah and you didn't start your film career in Hong Kong, which obviously would have been a better fit because you're Asian. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. But no, instead you chose to sort of go yeah. all in yeah. and yeah. take your chances in a totally different country. Totally. You know, starting at the very bottom. Mm-hmm. I And I did. You know? I really did start for the bottom. I, uh, and I, I, you know, 
you know, it really is the American dream, right? Like I was an, an immigrant that came to America, you know, had to learn to be American, you know, had to learn to fit in and, um, and, and I did, um, I learned how to act in America. Like, I, you know, my, um, and, um, and I fought that fight for years and years, you know, for representation and, um, and, so I am extremely proud of it because you know the the money that I made on that film, which by the way, when I when I got the film, it was copy and credit. You know, it was I had right. never I don't think I'd made any money at that point. I think maybe I made a bit of money from Nash Bridges and I made a bit of money from uh, Beverly Hills Ninja, but it was those were like you know very small uh, jobs. And uh, and when I did Better Luck Tomorrow, it was copy and credit like everything else and. And I, to my surprise, when we did eventually uh, sell the film to MTV Films and Paramount, you know, I, I did get paid um, uh, something. But you know, the money's long gone, and it's not about the money. But what it is about is the art. It's the work. It's the fight. It's the fact that that film changed so much. And to this day, I am absolutely—I I get goosebumps thinking about this. It. Like, how many? people were inspired by that film to this day i i i meet actors and filmmakers who are way more successful than i am who say you know it was your film it was better luck tomorrow that like you know made me think that i could get in this business and do this and, and inspired me and um and and that gives me such tremendous satisfaction you know that like i'm like you know that's cool i i, I impacted people and that's all that i ever wanted to do from the beginning, you know, no, you I, guys definitely did. Yeah. yeah. You guys, I mean, yellow and, um, shopping for fangs and yeah. everyone was just sort of building up this momentum. And then Justin did better luck tomorrow, which was great because it really launched him as a director. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, and he was directing stuff that's not Asian. You know right. what I mean? Like right. he's directing middle of the road mm -hmm. action movies. Yeah. And so it was awesome to see him get, Fast and Furious, and then you were also in Tokyo Drift, and I was like, "Oh my God, here yeah. they go!" Yeah. You know, we were all so excited. You have no idea. We were yes. all so excited. Oh, we felt cool. like you know, we felt happy for you. Thank you. Um, and then yeah, I love that you guys did finishing the game because right. it's always that whole thing. It's like, oh, Bruce never got to finish his movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah, it was so great that you guys did that. Thank you. But Thank then. You. But yeah, I totally want to talk about Jasmine though, sure. because okay, in the absolutely. credits yeah. you are not only the lead, mm -hmm. but you and you were phenom phenomenal. Thank you. You're also the producer, and you have story credit. Yes. So, what inspired you to come up with the story for Jasmine? Wow. Okay. So. Okay. So. Um, uh, let me let me think back. Okay. So. Okay. I, I had a couple. Of, I had a string of failures so to speak um mm -hmm. and and also timing wise like uh, wow okay so so basically what happened was I, I i did better luck tomorrow right and um going back to what i had been talking about earlier about my visa my visa situation caught up with me and I remember uh, you were stuck yeah. in Argentina for a while. Right, right. So what happened was, uh, Better Luck Tomorrow had premiered at Sundance. We were the hit, you know, talk of the town. We got picked up. The movie's about to be released. And at the, before the movie came out in theaters, I uh, ended up going on vacation in Argentina with my mom. My mom was in London, 
we met in Argentina. We spent two amazing weeks together um, bonding and spending some good quality time because I didn't grow up with my mom, right? So um, we caught up and uh, she's a, she is crazy for dance. And we were dancing tango for two weeks and learning Spanish. And, and, and uh, after two weeks, she flew back to London and I flew back to LA via Atlanta. And uh, when I landed in Atlanta, this is, this is funny, but on the flight, back to America, I remember thinking, I dreaded, I dreaded the thought of going back to my apartment in LA. The, the years of, of struggle in LA had really like taken its toll. It'd been about 10, it'd been, I was around the 10 year mark at that point. And, uh, or nine, eight, nine year mark, I think. And um, it just had taken a massive toll on me psych- psychically, emotionally. You know, and uh, and I started to feel that my dreams were actually imprisoning me. I, I you know, um, as opposed to making me feel free. You know what I mean? And you know, I, I love acting because of the abandon, the free, the freedom that it gives me. There's a sense of like, you know, just yeah, abandonment. You know, um, but at that point, I felt like you know, you know, uh, yeah, like my my dreams had been imprisoning me. So as I was flying there back to America, um, I dreaded the thought of going back to my apartment. And, and then <laughs> you got to be careful what you wish for, you know, because mm-hmm. I landed in Atlanta and my visa issues caught up with me. Basically, I had been bouncing around on tourist visas, uh, business visas. I had a student visa way back early in the day, but I'd been bouncing around. And this was right after 9-11. And um, uh, something popped up on the computer that, that had showed that I had probably overstayed on one of these trips. Even though I had been in and, in and out of the country sub, uh, many, many times subsequently, there was a, an overstay, you know? And um, I'd, I think I, I had overstayed by like 10 days or something at some point. It caught up with me. Anyway, immigration officer was like, you ain't coming into the country today. And they put me in a cell for 14 hours. Uh, oh they, they called it a waiting room. But actually, when I walked in there, uh, it was a cell. It was a cell. And um, anyway, um, and I decided that, you know, they were going to send me back to my home country, which would have been Hong Kong or London or the UK. And, uh, and I thought, you know, what? I just spent two amazing week- weeks in Argentina. And I said, you know, no, I'll, let me, I'll rather fly back to Argentina. So 14 hours later, um, I get, I, you know, I get on a flight and I go back to Argentina and I end up sp- spending a year there. And contrary to what a lot of people think, they think I was stuck there. I wasn't stuck there. It was I could have gone anywhere. I chose to be there because I had. Oh, okay. Because after the after those years of struggle and, and stuff, I, Argentina, you know, like was my year of sabbatical. I spent the year, you know, learning Spanish every day with a with a tutor for three hours in the morning, and you know, and then at lunchtime I'd break and eat a massive meal and drink a bottle of wine, and and then you know, like. <laughs> sleep a siesta and then like party all night and 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 I started to have a life again I said you know in, in LA I, I didn't even have a love life you know what I mean like it just you know you were, I was broke you know I, I drove a piece of shit and didn't feel confident enough to like you know go out and meet people you know what I mean like it was it was just about acting it was just about my career so this year was about using my mind in a different way and um and uh, and also, you know, in LA, I'd been smoking a lot of weed, you know, and I just wanted to like change, just just want to do something different, you know, and use my feel free again, you know. And um, 
And a lot of people really like questioned me, you know, people were angry at me for, for what, what had happened, even though what had happened happened to me. <laughs> uh, people started questioning, like, what are you doing? Even my parents were like, what are you doing? You need to get back to work and da da da. I'm like, you know what? Let me just have this, you know? And so I spent a year in Argentina. And after a year, I decided, okay, you know, maybe I do need to get back to work. And that's when I moved to London. And, uh, and, but then what I found was that in London, even though I, I did book a few jobs, I found that I was fighting the same fight that I was fighting in America, which is I'm an Asian man, an Asian person, you know, trying to b break into an industry that there aren't a lot of people like me in it. And um, anyway, so this is, these sort of things started to happen. And then um, eventually a couple of years later, I got, I, I did, um, Justin helped me by casting me in Fast and Furious and I got a, a legitimate, O one visa, which is this visa that's like uh, it's it's ridiculous. It's it's called extraordinary ability visa, <laughs> which is oh, yeah. which is for athletes and for actors. You know, da 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 da. Trump, that's the one that Trump's wife got in on. Oh well, she was a model. This is <laughs> <laughs> oh well, oh great. So I'm in good company, or maybe not so. Um, yeah, anyway, I think, and yeah. you know, Albert Einstein got one too. Okay. So. Oh, well, that, that sounds better. <laughs> that sounds better. Um, so yeah, eventually I did get a, a, a legitimate visa. But um, like I said, uh, th that failed. So uh, not being able to capitalize on Better Luck Tomorrow's release, having to stay out of the country for, for a few years while at, right after Better Luck Tomorrow came out meant that I missed a lot of opportunities. A lot of people wanted to meet me. A lot of people had wanted to offer me work after BLT, but I just wasn't there to be able to take those the, take advantage of those. So that hurt, um, even though that year was was necessary for me, for my own you know health, and um, and when I got on Fast and Furious, you know I can look back on it now with with a different perspective. But at the time, uh, I had been cast. Justin had wanted me to me to play Bow Wow's role. And if you remember in the movie, Bow Wow's role was, uh, his name is Twinkie. Twinkie being the Asian American nickname for, you know, yellow on the outside, white on the inside. So mm -hmm. I originally had been uh, cast as Twinkie, but about 10 days before I was about to leave to go shoot it, um, I got a call and it was explained to me that, look, you know, uh, Justin's going to write me another role. Uh, and that Bow Wow was going to take uh, Twinkie's role. And I, I, I took it personally. I took it hard at the time. Um, but I, you know, I swallowed my pride and I did it. And, you know, it gave me an opportunity to, to go back to America, uh, gave me a visa, gave me, it put a lot of money in my pocket that I'd never seen before, you know. Um, and so I was grateful for all those things. But going back to what I said earlier about BLT, it was never about the money. It was always about the work. It was always about, you know, leaving, making an impact. Um, I really think of myself as an artist before an actor. You know, I wanted to do great work. I really wanted to move people. And so it was a difficult time for me on, on, on uh, F, on Tokyo Drift. It was, it, you know, I was extremely grateful, but yet at the same time, I also felt hurt, you know. I'm not over it now, obviously, but at the time, that's how I felt. And so after uh, Fast and Furious, we wrapped. Uh, and then Justin cast me in finishing the game, and you know the the premise of finishing the game is is it's a mockumentary about the attempt to complete Bruce Lee's last movie, Game of Death. 
which he had only filmed 20 minutes of before he died. And he only filmed the last 20 minutes. And, and so uh, the mockumentary, this film, Finish the Game, was about all these wannabe Bruce Lee's who's trying to like vie for the role of the body double that completes Bruce Lee's movie. And you know, as you know, uh, it's no secret, I'm a huge, massive Bruce Lee fan. I grew up, you know, idolizing the man. He was my superhero. He inspired me. You know, he was the kind of, you know, I, I moved to LA with these grand ambitions because because he inspired me because he had done it. He was from Hong Kong, you know, mm-hmm. and um, and so in finishing the game, I got freaking jacked, ripped. I was like, I am not passing this opportunity by. You know, I really gave it all. I literally went through this physical transformation. And, oh, I uh, remember. And um, and then I remember on set, you know, Justin said to me, he says, man, this is, this is the best work I've seen you do. And, and this is after doing BLT, which I thought I did pretty good in. But, but you know, he's, he says to me after, you know, the, we wrapped one day, he's like, this is the best work I've seen you do. I'm like, thank you. And he's like, and then he goes to me, I remember him saying to me, he says, you know, like, oh, yeah, it, it dawned on me, like, out of all the Bruce Lee's, it should be you. And I'm like, and I'm like, just eating this up, man. You know, I'm just like, yes, 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 yes. And uh, <laughs> I fly back to Hong Kong and, um, and then, you know, a couple months go by, you know, while they're doing post-production on the film. And, uh, and then I get a call from Justin and he, and he explains to me, he says, look, man, I really love the footage of you and, and your story and everything. Um, uh, but it just, I've tried everything I can, but it just doesn't work as a whole, as a story as a whole in, in the film. And so he had to cut it out. And so I ended up being cut out completely from the film. And he gave, but he gave me all the footage on a hard drive. And he said, look, do what you want with it. If you want to make a short film out of it, if you want, whatever you want to do, with it, it's, it's yours. And, um, and so these, the, all these things kind of like just kind of added up, you know. Um, and by the way, Justin's a fantastic dude. He's always looked after me. And, um, and I, he, you know, um, and I totally understand as a storyteller, as a filmmaker, that like the story, the, 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 the sto- story is the most important thing. If something doesn't work, then you have to cut it out. You know what I mean? Like it's, it wasn't, I didn't take, uh, you know what I mean? Like I, ju- I understood, but it took a toll on me. And, and at that point I just thought, you know what? Um, um, I'm going to change, change your own story. Yeah. Change course. And, um, you know, like I said, I'd been fighting the fight in America. I fought the fight in, um, in England. And I thought, you know what? I need to go back to Hong Kong and, and, um, tell my own stories. And, um, and, uh, you know, because in Hong Kong, I'm not Chinese enough. In England, I'm not English enough. In, in America, I'm not American enough. But you know what? I, I, was, I thought, I'll go back to Hong Kong, and I'll, I'll at least tell some stories that fell within my own subculture. And I had actually um, quit acting at that point. I, I had a <laughs> – one day I had a, a panic attack. I've only had two in my life, and, and I had a panic attack one day. I was on a, on a train and, and uh, just – I saw these horrible images in my mind. I, I just I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was dying. Luckily, the doors opened. We had arrived at the next station. I got out and I went up the escalators, got out to the sunlight, took a deep breath, and, I, and it dawned on me. It's like, I, I don't want to be an actor anymore. You know, and I, I just, I quit. Mm. I quit. I finally, it was like, I'm done. And, um, and I, um, 
That sounds like a scene from the movie. <laughs> it does. It does. Absolutely. And uh, I thought, okay, uh, I'm going to tell stories. And then this is kind of like, uh, uh, you know, sometimes, it, you know, people always want to hear the story of like, yeah, I did it. I, I did it by myself. And uh, I pulled my pulled myself by my own bootstraps. But the, the truth is, at that time, I was really down. And I went back to Hong Kong. But there was a friend of mine who I'd met. Um, uh, his name was Dax Phelan, who ended up being my partner in Jasmine. And um, he had really loved Battle Tomorrow. He loved my performance. And he really believed in me. And even though I'd quit acting, he really encouraged me. He wanted to do a movie with me. And and kind of like a, a gangster in a gangster movie or, or whatever, a, a, who, who's trying to get out, but I had to do one last job. I kind of like, uh, all right, all right, this will be my last gig. This is it. And I literally through the whole filming of Jasmine, I thought I'm going to give every bit of my soul and, and heart into this movie and then I'm done. I'm leaving. And, um, and Dax and I, you know, we spent several months just getting to know each other. We, you know, before any writing happened, we just got to know each other on a very like intimate and personal level, talked about a lot of stuff, you know, and, and, you know, things that we were, you know, from the, the things that we were ashamed of and the things that were painful for us. And, and we talked about our lives and, um, and eventually, you know, we started to come up with an idea about, you know, this guy who comes back to Hong Kong and, and, um, and, and we started to just, I think naturally and organically put in all the, the things, the th themes in the film and the, into the story that we'd been just talking about, you know, and um, and eventually we came up with a script for Jasmine, and we we came up with a story together. Like it was, you know, we are both intrinsically part of the DNA of the film. Um, but then when it came to the actual writing of the script, that's when Dax took over, and he he's he his life was similar to mine. He'd been a scriptwriter for years and years, but had been had he he'd sold scripts, written scripts, had worked professionally, but nothing of his work had actually made it to the screen as you know as a writer like there are many many writers in this situation and so him and I kind of felt the same way I as an actor him as a writer and um and uh so eventually we came up with the script wrote, you know came up with the story together uh raised the money and and then we made Jasmine in Hong Kong and I feel that Hong Kong is uh sorry our film Jasmine is a, a unique unique film in Hong Kong cinema, in Asian American cinema, in American cinema, it's it's not just one thing. Um, Hong Kong films are always traditionally about Hong Kong people, rightly so. Uh, and often, when a Hollywood movie comes to Hong Kong, it's about an American who comes to Hong Kong, you know. Whereas this was this unique film that fell within my subculture, and it it's an it's an American film, it's a Hong Kong film, is it is it a Hong Kong British film? But either way, I really felt. I really feel that we have contributed to Hong Kong cinema. Like we, it's to me, it's it's a uh, I call it a mini masterpiece. I know that's tooting my own horn, but <laughs> but uh, no. I, yeah. My take would be that I felt like it was very much like a Hong Kong neo noir. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You it's know, what? very much a film noir, and um, to me, it was your character was. Spoiler alert! Yeah, driven crazy by just 
just the fact that Hong Kong has millions of people, but yet, you know, just in this modern society, he's extremely lonely. Yes. You know, and his loneliness kind of drove him over the edge. Yeah. And just this, the fact that he projects himself into this other man's life Mm -hmm. out of some weird wish fulfillment. Yeah. You know, like this man is having the life that he wants to have. Right. And he wants it so much that he convinces himself that he is this man. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. And then it, of course he comes to a, a horrible end, this, but um, yeah. This is, and, and you know, as you, I hear you describe it, it's, it's, you know, these are feelings that I have about Hong Kong, you know, like, um, and um, it, it's at the time, I think I described it as kind of like Hitchcock meets Wong Kar Wai, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, uh, recently I watched The Joker with Joaquin Phoenix and I was like, oh mm. my God, Jasmine is basically the Joker, but without the makeup, you know, uh, mm. and without the budget. Um, although yeah. I think Jasmine looks absolutely beautiful. Um, no, I thought it looked great. It looks fantastic. And I must say, kudos to your sound engineer or sound designer, because yeah. I thought the sound of the film um, was really it's awesome. Yeah, the cinematography, the cinematography, the 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 sound design, um, and 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 I have to say, the editing, Chris Chan Lee. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I really feel like I uh, I. Uh, like it was like this genius move of mine because after we wrapped, uh, Dax was looking for an editor, and I just thought I just had this hunch again. Like I bet you him and Chris, you know, it would work out. And it ended up being like this great partnership between them. And and I would see the 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 like the various uh, the cuts. You know, the first cut was like two hours and forty minutes. It was ridiculous, yeah. um, and it was probably because of the way we filmed it. Um, and eventually they just kept going, they kept going, they kept going, they kept going, they, and they ended up with a, a really lovely little film. And I, I'm just so proud of it, that film. I, I wish more people had seen it, though. You know, it's one of these things where in the modern era now, um, indie films really, they don't get enough eyeballs, you know what I mean? Um, and there's really no money to be made. I, I know so many people that make indie films, have made indie films, are making indie films, and and it's such a struggle because you just have to kind of go into it knowing that you're not going to make any money and you might not see a lot of people watching it. Like we, we spent like a good year and a bit, you know, on the festival circuit. But when you really add up all the people who saw the film, you know, how many, you know, if you just add up all the, the, the theater seats, right, the cinema seats, like how many people really did see it? What, 10,000 people in a year? I mean, that's nothing. Right. You go on YouTube and, you know, some video about the cat video has got millions of hits, you know. So, but I'm I'm really stoked to hear that you watched it because um, oh, yeah. it's a no, really special I mean, film to me. For um, stay-at-home moms, like <laughs> <laughs> all the, all the, you know, and because of the quarantine, everything is on demand now, which is awesome. awesome. Like I don't have to get a babysitter yeah, and blah, yeah. blah, blah. And I can just like watch all these movies now. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's great. But yeah, I was like, Oh, I get to see Jason's film and talk about it with him. So, but yeah, that if anything, like you said, you do it for the work, mm-hmm. but that's a fantastic calling card for you guys. Cause Thank that you. is a really great piece of work Thank and you. it's not easy. I can't imagine it being easy to shoot in Hong Kong. Like I have down in my notes, the opening scene where you're balancing 
on that um, yeah. street. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it's called, like the, the street edge mm-hmm. with the, the flowers. Yes. And the scene where um, Anna, you know, leaves the restaurant because she's pissed at you. Yes. And you chase her down yeah. and everyone's honking their horn. I can't imagine how difficult that must have been shooting. <laughs> it, it really, it really was because it was all gorilla. That stuff was all gorilla. Yeah, I was like, yeah. this is totally on the fly. Yeah. Like that's what it feels like to me. Totally. But yeah, it's like good for them for getting it. Totally. A lot of it was on the fly, and we did extremely long takes because um, we really wanted to capture behavior and idiosyncrasies, mm-hmm. you know, and and mm-hmm. nuance. Um, and so, you know, we did long takes and, and um, uh, in a lot of improvisation and um, obviously not comedy improv, but just, you know, me right. going with going with going with things. And that I, opening scene with you mm, and the Australian couple yes. oh, was so awkward and uncomfortable. Yeah. Like I felt that. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And and. Yeah, yeah, it's we. Um, I, 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 I'm trying to remember how I described it. I described it as like um, we were filming outside the frame. You know what I mean? As a painting with a frame mm-hmm. or a movie with a frame. It's like we were trying to f- capture moments that that are outside the frame, and and that's why our, our first cut was like two hours and forty minutes. You know, I think. Dax was just in love with too much of it. And eventually we had to pare it down to, and focus on the story. But, um, no, I yeah. thought it moved really well. Yeah. And, um, I thought the pacing was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a beautiful, I'm really proud of it. I, I hope, I do hope that more people will see it. <laughs> we'll yeah. Put, no, no back for it. sure. Cause you know, I think yeah. like with, 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 uh, you know, if people know me, they'll probably know me from Bad Dog Tomorrow or now, uh, Warrior. And and mm-hmm. I love those characters. Those characters are, are, are flamboyant. They're they're you know larger than life. They're um, charismatic, you know. Uh, whereas Jasmine, it gave me an opportunity to show a totally different side to myself. Sides that I do think I bring out in Virgil and do bring out in Young June, but with 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 Leonard in in Jasmine, like I just showed a totally different side to myself and um and i was really happy and proud of that you know what i was thinking just now though um because i saw um we we you know i have cable still Mm. so we you get those weeks where you get all these channels for Mm. free yeah nice (laughs) so when i had cinemax for free i was like oh yay now i get to watch jason's (laughs) so so when i was watching that and um watching jasmine just now Mm -hmm. I think both of them, it just occurred to me, both of them almost seem like graphic novels. Mm, yeah. Just the feel. Yes. You know, because they're so, yeah, very cinematic. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like every frame is, you could frame it. Yes. Yes. You know, as a piece of art. Yeah. Yes. So I was like, wow, these are very, and, you know, like Jasmine has the neo noir touches and um, Warrior has just all the vibrancy yeah. and so much movement. Yes. You know, and of course, Kung Fu is, it's almost shot like ballet. Yeah. It's almost shot like dance because yeah. you need the full body and mm-hmm. the range of motion. Yes. And all those fights are choreographed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So it's very much like yes. um, an art piece. Totally. So just visually, both of them struck me as like almost like graphic novels. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so, uh, yeah. 
it, it's it's so it's so cool, you know. Um, yeah. And of course, Warrior is based on the writings of Bruce Lee. That's right. Yeah. And of course, someone went in, took his idea, and made Kung Fu the TV series. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And cast a white guy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Pretending to be a Chinese guy. Exactly. It's crazy. So I'm glad you guys yeah. brought it back to the roots yeah. of it all. Yeah, totally. I, uh, it's you know, like I said, I'd been I'd been flirting with the Bruce Lee legacy all these years being a fan. And then, you know, when I got, you know, finishing the game, I thought, Oh my God, this is, this is, this is my Bruce Lee moment. And, uh, when, when I got cut out, I took it really hard and, you know, especially cause I worked so hard and physically as well as, you know, uh, on my acting. And, um, to then like years later now be part of Bruce Lee's legacy and to play this amazing role, um, it was so. I, know, I thought Vindy so yeah, amazing. It, yeah, it really is. And I, I like it. Sometimes I'm like, I can't believe they gave me permission to do this. Like, really? This is so cool. You know, like it's uh, fantastic. It really is. It really is. Um, yeah, to to be part of his uh, legacy now is is. I feel so. Um, I feel so lucky, so blessed. You know, so uh, and I feel so grateful. I'm sure it's a great honor because it's not just a film company taking it, right? Taking the property right. or whatever. You do have the blessing of his daughter. That's right. Yeah. You know, it's not any old, yeah, yeah. like adaptation. Like you actually have um, her blessing. So I think that goes a long way. Totally. And she's so integral um, to the to the whole uh, endeavor, you know, like Justin, uh, Shannon, uh, Jonathan Chopper, our showrunner. I mean, um, they took Brucey's writing and they really created something super cool and pulpy. I mean, I mean, who would ever have thought like two Asian American guys would end up playing cowboys? You know what I mean? Like that's mm -hmm. that's just like a dream come true. I mean, I never thought I'd be a cowboy in an American TV show, and there there I am, you know, you know, um, riding off into the sunset with Andrew Koji <laughs> after shooting up a a, a saloon. Yeah. Yeah, but I think that is the timing of it all. Yeah. Like we're living in this crazy age right now where you have, you know, like I I'm sure it's not where you are because <laughs> you're in predominantly Asian, you know, city. Yeah. But in America, we have like just the anti-Asian sentiment is off the charts right now. Yep. And um, you know, the first years of this presidency just kept ratcheting up and ratcheting up not just asians but you know anybody yeah. any minority yeah and um i think it's so important for shows like that you're defying these stereotypes yeah. yeah you know you're not these meek asian guys you know you're these studs yeah yeah and you're trying to make your way just like any other immigrant did mm. in the, those times. Right. I mean, years ago, I wrote a script about a Chinese guy coming and working on the railroads mm. and ending up in a southern plantation mm. and working for a plantation owner. But for me, that was just just my way of saying, look, there are lots of different Americans. Yeah. You know, you learn one version of American history yeah. in school, but there are many Americans that are not white <laughs> that help build this country. Absolutely. and. You know, those stories need to be told. So I'm glad you guys did it. I think it looks phenomenal. Uh, yeah, it's such a... You know, and I'm sure, like, it must have been so fun <laughs> to get in shape yes. and to do all those yes. fight scenes. Yes, yes. So actually, like, um, 
you know, it is like an incredibly fun role to play. Like, you know, to, to give me permission to be this person, I just, I'm like, really? Um, I, and I really, I'm just having the time, time of my life playing Young June and, you know, on so many levels. And, and I have to say, like, one of the things that it um, gave me was permission to fall in love with martial arts again. And, you know, I had been very um, deliberate in my career as an actor not to sell myself as a martial artist. Um, and, and there were a couple of times where I thought, oh, maybe I should veer into that or whatever. But I, 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 I was adamant that I would not sell myself as a martial artist, that I was always an actor first. And it wasn't. And can you believe in my whole career, I never did martial arts in a film or a TV show or whatever until Warrior. And I literally went, before I got Warrior, I, had, I thought that window had passed. I thought, oh, I'll probably never end up in a martial arts film or doing martial arts in, the, or in, in any project. Because I, I was getting to that age where I'm like, mm, probably ain't going to happen anymore, you know? And, um, and then to get Warrior, and then all of a sudden, now I get to like bust out with some fighting and choreography and martial arts and play this amazing role, you know, to, to do high-level acting work and work on high, you know, those types of characters and to do martial arts, that's, that's very rare. And, um, and, I, and I was so lucky that I, I got paid to train, to get in shape, to look like a total badass, <laughs> you know? But I, you guys look awesome. You know, like, that's so cool. Like, I, I remember when they... Uh, in episode two, the the opening, um, the opening, what do you, we call it? The you know before the credits, that opening scene, where I, mm, uh, the I cold open. Yeah, the cold, thank you, the cold open. Um, when the stunt team, uh, Brett Chan and and Co, showed me the previs of that opening sequence, <laughs> I was so excited. I I'm like, you guys are gonna make me look so cool. Oh man, like just whipping out those knives and running and like, you know, and, and, uh, man, it was, it was so, so cool. Um, yeah, I, I'm not going to lie. I've watched that. I've watched that cold open, uh, several times. <laughs> yeah. Badass. Yeah, yeah. We're not like your meek little Chinese delivery guys. Exa exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no apologies. I'm here and I'm, I'm, uh, uh, I'm going to be, um, relentless you know i'm gonna i'm i'm you ain't gonna shut me down no you're gonna you're gonna go for it you're gonna get what's yours exactly <laughs> so what is coming up on the horizon i see your credit here for gay hollywood dad ah interesting yes <laughs> i directed an episode of gay hollywood dad uh with my friend quentin lee who coached uh -huh. i remember Franks. yeah mm -hmm. um to be honest, I didn't really do too much work for it. Um, he gave me that credit because I helped him out when he was filming in Hong Kong. And, you know, um, my contribution, I, I don't know if I could really call myself a director, but it was lovely of him to put that credit down. Uh, but I'm also, so season two of Warrior comes out this October, October 2020. Mm -hmm. And then um, Fast 9 comes out uh, April of 2021. And this goes back to the Justin Lin thing, right? Like, you know, this guy has always looked after me, looked out for me. And, um, you know, uh, one day he calls me up and says, hey, uh, I want you to audition for the show, Warrior. I think you'll be great in it. Boom. And, you know, 
I still had to jump through those hoops, you know, the auditions and stuff. But um, but he definitely pushed me over the line, and he was a, a massive supporter of me. And and I'm on that show because of him. And then after season two wrapped, he emails me and says, "Oh, I'm going to bring you back to F9." And I guess this is part of the story. Like you remember my disappointment with Tokyo Drift. Now mm -hmm. I, I look back on it with a totally different set of eyes because it was it's part of my journey. I needed it. I needed that to happen. It, you know and um, and and now and I'm sure it wasn't his decision. Oh, like it was probably the studio telling him that they had to cast. It was um, like it, a name, honestly, like for that role. Yeah, and honestly, it was a better decision. I, I totally think it was a, a good decision. And and look, now I'm now I'm in the franchise again. You know, so it's like I get to make it whatever I want it to be. You know, um, it all worked out. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. And interesting enough, like you know. Uh, you know, again, you know, that when I got kicked out of kicked out of America, quote unquote, um, right before BLT came out, that turned out to be a blessing too, because I spent a year learning Spanish in, in Argentina and, 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 you know, learning to play the guitar and drinking bottles of Malbec and, you know, recovering, you know, psychically from, <laughs> from, you know, uh, the trauma of struggling to be an actor in LA. And a lot of people questioned me at the time, but then, you know, 15 years later, I get a call and, um, and, uh, for, for a movie that's to be shot in Mexico, a Mexican movie, all Spanish language movie. And they were looking for an actor who speaks Spanish, Chinese actor who speaks Spanish. And, um, and, uh, the director had seen Jasmine and, and, and cast me on the spot. And next thing I know, I'm spending two months. Three, three months in Mexico. Like, I actually know Spanish. You know, like acting in a film in Spanish. And uh, That's it, crazy. it was a great challenge for me because as an actor, you know, I always want to be pushed and to, to do a movie in another language is, uh, it has its challenges, you know, and, uh, and but, it, you know, this is life. It, it's, it's, you know, a failure here may spark a success later on, you know, and, and, um, and, you know, doors open, doors close. I know I'm speaking in cliches now, but, you know, sometimes that shit's true. <laughs> no doubt. Well, Jason Tobin, thank you for hanging out. You are definitely not an Asian fail. Uh, I love you. you. Thank you so much. I miss you. I miss you too. Love you too. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening to my first episode of Asian Fail. You can check out Jason in his movie Jasmine, which is streaming on Amazon, and on Warrior, the Cinemax series based on the writings of Bruce Lee. Season 2 airs in October. In the meantime, stay safe, and I'll be out there making calls, trying to look for more people to talk to for you guys. Take care. Wear your mask. Don't be stupid.